Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Lily Kate Show. Not only did Republicans just have an incredible, devastating, almost full win from the elections this past week from the gubernatorial race in Virginia, flipping one seat in the House in Texas, winning so many Pennsylvania seats, and also almost winning the New Jersey gubernatorial election. But I also want to say we have a lot of great people coming up. And it's not often that someone who could be a rising star in politics lives so close to your home, like in my case. And it's not often that you can join forces with someone to inspire the youth. Christian Collins, who announced he was running for Congress in the 8th District of Texas, is an inspiring leader, founder of the annual event Texas Youth Summit, and a convicted patriotic lifelong Christian and sixth generation Texan. In this episode, we go in depth and ask Christian Collins all of the deep and uncomfortable questions about his race, his campaign, and then we really get to explore and hear his heart for Texas. So let me know at the end of this episode, if you live in the Montgomery County area, does Christian Collins have your vote? Hi, Christian. Hey. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for being here. So can you just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who Christian Collins is so we're all on the same page. I'm Christian Collins, and I've been involved in Montgomery County for some time. Uh, I really enjoy working with young people. So how we connected, of course, is through Texas Youth Summit. And of course, I know you've been involved with Prager and, and you've been involved with Turning Point. So um, all of those are great organizations. And what we've effectively done with Texas Youth Summit is get young people involved in the political process to join older generations to save America. And we're super excited about getting young people involved. Uh, I've been a college teacher. Uh, Politico worked with some good people. Really enjoyed uh, helping young people become inspired to fight for this country. Seems almost too good to be true. So then what defines Christian Collins when it comes to policy and political issues? Well, everything. I mean, practically speaking, just having them recognize their purpose, you know, in life, their God-given purpose and using their gifts to do something that's much bigger than themselves to bring glory to God in that way. You know, I feel like not everyone's supposed to be in politics necessarily like professionally, but you can still be in politics in the sense that you're paying attention, Mm -hmm. uh, that you're engaged in the issues, that you're voting, um, that you care about the culture war that we're we're effectively in and you're doing everything that you can to make a difference. And so I feel like God's called us to be salt and light in every arena, whether it be Hollywood or music or definitely politics though, not just like the church because we should be the church outside the four walls, you know? Always about being involved in whatever messy arena you choose for yourself. So I was looking over your campaign website and you have 15 different important issues and your first answer to who is Christian Collins and why are the youth important? You said everything. And I think we all can agree with Mm -hmm. that. But if we had to narrow down what are like your top three issues, what would those be? Sure. Yeah. So I announced that I'm running for Congress two weeks ago and we've got Senator Cruz's endorsement since then. We're really excited. We've got a lot of, a lot of momentum uh, in this race and we're, we're just really positive and we have uh, so much support. We're building a broad coalition with young people, with Republican women, with Tea Party. Of course, you know, winning the primary is what it's about right now, sure. is winning the primary. And so um, anti-vaxxers, but I'm, you know, I'm pro-vaccine choice, uh, right. so, but homeschool families, pro-lifers. Um, we got so many people that are engaged in this fight. Uh, 
first responders, veterans, mm -hmm. people that are excited about this race, and they want somebody that's going to be a constitutional conservative that won't capitulate to the left and that won't be bought out by the swamp, but will truly do what they said that they would do in the campaign and actually fight for this country. Mm -hmm. and, and too many people say the right things in the primary, but go off to Washington and, and change their tune once they get there. And so we are promising to be different. Mm -hmm. And so you asked me about some of my issues uh, I put on my website, christiancollins.org, christiancollins.org. Get that plug in. Uh-huh. And um, so it, there's a lot of different issues that I put on there, but I feel like a lot of them are symptoms, like inflation, for example, is a mm -hmm. symptom of poor leadership. So I would say that my top issues that can really solve the problems are fighting for election integrity. One, because if we don't have secure elections, then we won't have a country. Right. Same with our borders. If we don't continue to fight to secure the border and, and, and reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy and, and work to finish the wall and do everything that we possibly can mm -hmm. um, to, to fully implement those policies, uh, then we're not going to have a country. Right. And the third, I feel like we've got to restore pro-America, patriotic education. Trump was going down this path. Right, totally. um, and we've got to do that because the minds of our youth are so important. And if we don't fight for the minds of our youth, then we're going to lose our country. So well, those three things, it's not to say that none of the issues are important. They're all important issues. Yeah. But some of those, I feel like, are symptoms of poor leadership. But if we solve these three things, I really feel like we will be effective in solving all of those other issues later. Great research for you was definitely the Virginia gubernatorial race that just happened, right? The left's argument and Terry McAuliffe's argument was critical race theory doesn't exist. We're also going to replace a majority of the teachers who are white with people of color for the students in Virginia. And that's really where parents showed up and showed out. And so we can see that the issue of education, critical race theory, and pro-America or anti-America, right? Education is a really hot button topic specifically for parents and, and voters right now. I, I think everyone's become more educated on this issue of critical race theory uh, w during the pandemic because when there was virtual education being done, parents were watching what their kids were being taught and they got to see it firsthand. They were like, oh my, this is not good. They're teaching my children to hate the color of their own skin and to, and to effectively you know, hate their peers. And so um, that's not good. So we need to bring America together and we need to have Martin Luther King's philosophy that nobody is better because of the color of their skin. And we need to work together as, as, as Americans to, to, to get back to that type of approach. And, and I like the direction uh, that our country seems to be heading uh, in wake of the results last night. That's really exciting. Pretty exciting stuff, yeah. yeah. So then I must ask because it takes nine to 12 years really when you get elected to gain any sort of seniority in Congress, especially on like a federal level, right? Yeah. There's a lot of cachet and stigma about growing yourself within that actual house. And of course, you're running for the first time, which is super exciting. And you're young, sure. which is like even more important because we've, we've elected a president who has been born in like the 1940s for like <laughs> the last 20 years. And we got to start, you know, moving on from that. And a lot of our politicians are definitely getting older. And so... You know, as as we kind of talked about, you are almost coming in as an underdog, right? You're going to surprise everyone. You're going to be that new voice of the youth. And so with no national, let's say, um, reputation going in and no real, I mean, I guess you have experience of working with senators and congresspeople from around our area. What is the real reason? Because oftentimes so many people will say, oh, I want to help the country and save the country. Yeah. But you're like, well... Like you said, you go to D.C. and all of a sudden 
you lose all the melodies that you were singing. So I want to go a little bit deeper yeah. on what really is the motivation behind what you're doing. It's to fight. I mean, look, you know, I don't have any desire to be called the honorable Christian Collins or do be praised by DC elites or to go to all the nice parties and get a steak dinner or be on TV once a week. You know, all I care about is fighting for this country. I'll sleep on my office couch for all I care. But what I want to do is fight for this country and fight for the people of my district specifically. And there are people that cried out and on some of the issues that have approached over the course of the last year or two. And people want uh, a leader that's going to be bold and they want change. They want a fierce, bold leader who will not back down to the left. And, and, and they don't want rhinos that are going to go there and capitulate to Democrats who are just capitulating to maybe uh, China and other places. So um, we need to make sure that we have fighters, true fighters in that position that will fight for this country. Mm -hmm. And people are sure of people who are sure of themselves. And so that's always very important. I think that's why so many people liked Trump yeah. is because he was sure of himself yeah. and you know who's really sure of herself? AOC. Yeah. And they always need the young people to be sure of themselves so we can rally around their beliefs and their causes and 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 support those people. You know what? Young people don't always have the most money, but they have fire, they have passion, they have zeal. Mm. And look at what she's done. She's formed a squad and she's moved the, the conversation to the left. Now everyone in the Democrat Party is saying that the Green New Deal is a good idea. She's she's pulled the legislation to the left. We need to have people that that hold people accountable in Congress that, that, that light a fire underneath people and pull the legislation to the right. Yeah. We need to have that type of leadership in Washington. Yeah. That, that are, that are going to, they're going to stand up. You know, I mean, if you look at the start of this country, you know, George Washington, I've heard this line from Madison Cawthorn, uh, was 21 when he received his military commission. Abraham Lincoln uh, was 22 when he first ran for public office. Thomas Jefferson was 33 when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. There were yeah. a dozen signers under the age of, of, of 30. And, and um, you know, James Madison was 25 when he signed the Declaration of Independence. And he was in his early 30s when he wrote the Constitution. So you look at how young people played an effect on the start of this country. You know, our founding fathers weren't these much older people. They were mm -hmm. young, fiery zealots who were uh, wanting to take this country on and, and, and to make it to what it is today. When we think about the founding fathers, their culture, right, yeah. was very Christian, very Anglo, mm -hmm. just had come from tyranny and, and Britain, and they wrote the greatest breakup letter of all time. Then they fr framed the Constitution, and we all know how that ended. So, mm. you know, they had a very different culture back then. And so sure. in your opinion, do you think culture or politics is more important to focus on? That's a very good question. I love how Andrew Breitbart answers that. He says that politics streams down from culture. Mm -hmm. So I feel that, of course, uh, you know, a, a member of Congress should be fighting, you know, on the policy issues that matter. Uh, but they should also play a part in the culture war. They should speak out on certain issues. They shouldn't stick their heads in the sand uh, when it comes time to speak out about certain issues. So I feel like it's, it's, it's our time for such a time as this mm -hmm. to speak out or else we're going to lose our country. Right. So um, I feel like a little bit of both is, is the answer there. Yeah, it's yeah. a continual conversation between the two. That's my personal belief as well. Yeah. So, you know, you have Texas Youth Summit, which is this fantastic um, annual event, and you're trying to expand it all over Texas, sure. the best state. Yeah. And you inspire the youth, you empower the youth, you give them the information, you connect them. And obviously, a, an event to this scale takes a lot of time and energy and fundraising and money and coordination and volunteers to plan. Mm -hmm. So 
say you do get elected to Congress, yeah. what are you going to do with Texas Youth Summit? Keep doing it. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah, that's simple as that. Keep doing it. So there's a couple of different ways that that could happen, but I feel like I'll have an even bigger platform to bring more resources, more opportunities, um, more influencers uh, to inspire and network with and, 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 and make a difference in the lives of young people mm-hmm. in this district and across Texas, actually. Uh, by being in that position. And, you know, there's different ways that you could do it. I mean, there's another congressman down the road that, you know, he still does youth summits and he's a member of Congress. But I've also seen another model where, um, you know, there's an organization called Run Gen Z. And Run Gen Z effectively has a a chairman of the board who's a member of the Iowa State House, but he hired an executive director and they're effectively continuing on the mission of this organization that was founded by somebody that's in the State House there. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's two different approaches there that I'll just have to continue to think about. But bottom line is I want to continue to work with young people. That's a big part of what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And I want to continue to inspire them. I want to continue to get them involved, uh, produce content and have uh, summits and, and places where they can network and find job opportunities find friendships we even had a marriage oh that's great yeah we've we've had good things come from this texas youth summit and we want that to continue to happen yeah um and so i'm all about it so love that answer and i'm definitely excited that you're going to continue doing it so then conservative you know the conservative movement is not just a policy thing as we know it is a culture thing as sure you've really built your platform and a lot of success you've had around it and so here's a fun question do you think that the culture of Texas would benefit more with Christian Collins, your life, if you focused the next 10 to 12 years that you could spend gaining seniority in Congress, if you really spent that at Texas Youth Summit and had a, a Texas Youth Summit annually in every county in Texas, do you think they would benefit that, that, more? That's a lot of counties, so by the way. Yeah, no, yeah, So there's, a, there's about 18 big ones, <laughs> but that, that's a lot of counties. I mean, there's that's, what is it, 254 this counties? Something so something crazy. Yeah, so... Um, that being said, you know, I think God has me right where I need to be, you know, in the center of his will. So I feel like I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, I've stepped out to do this and, and I'm, I'm fighting the good fight where, um, I'm, I'm being led. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited to be fighting where I am and I'm going to continue to do the Texas youth summit, but, uh, that just remains to be seen, Mm um, how, how, this will this will unfold. I I feel like it's going to be really really good. Yeah, yeah. I love the can do attitude of yeah. Of course I'm going to do both. It's no problem. We got it. So yeah. That's that's great. So obviously you're running because Kevin Brady, who was the elected House representative for our area, um, is retiring, and he was there since the 1990s. Kevin Brady was the chairman of yeah. the House Ways and Means Committee, which is actually arguably the most powerful and important um, seat that you can have in a committee next to really being the Speaker of the House. You get sure. to approve all the budget and the ways the ways and means of things getting done. And I have, in my just year and a half of being involved in politics, there's a lot of dissatisfaction with the things that he permitted and allowed to pass. And not enough light has been brought to the things mm. that he's done well. Yeah. And so people are very dissatisfied with what he's done. And, you know, the Woodlands, we think we deserve better than that because we're going toward a direction that we don't want to go toward. Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of times... Kevin Brady has been accused of talking the good talk when he's back home and again folding as soon as he flies back to D.C., you know, doing it for the money and all the gruesome things that people accuse politicians of. And in the eyes of the conservative party, we don't have a lot to show for all the support and all of the the ideas that we wanted to get across. So I guess 
in a question of comparison, how do you plan on being more effective than Kevin Brady? Well, let me say that Kevin did a good job on tax reform. And if it wasn't for him, tax reform would may, may not have happened because right. he did a great job in bringing together lots of different types of members of Congress, some very moderate, some very conservative, mm. somewhere in the middle. And he brought people together to get that done. Um, Kevin, I also will say, was somebody that always listened to you, looked at you in the eye and cared, genuinely cared. He drove two modest cars uh, for 20 years. Mm. He lived in a very modest home for 20 years. Um, American-made cars, by the way. Um, <laughs> he was just uh, you know, a faithful husband and father. And, and so... His character, I think, speaks for itself. He's a good man. Um, you know, I have a different philosophy politically on, on some issues, and I've already committed to work with the Freedom Caucus, so I've had that conversation with Andy Biggs and Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows. And so uh, you can see more of a similar approach maybe to Madison Cawthorn, who just joined the Freedom Caucus, or Louis Gohmert, people like that. Right. Um, I want to be very outspoken on the issues. And Kevin maybe came from a time where there was more – uh, it was more pragmatic. Mm. There's more give and take. But what we need in this generation now is somebody that's going to stand up and fight and be very bold. You know, similar to Ted Cruz. Like I'm not going there because, you know, I, I want to be, you know, you know, the most important committee chair one day. You mm -hmm. know, and get you know a lot of corporate dollars from all these different places. That doesn't mean I don't want to raise money. That doesn't mean I don't want to be effective. What mm -hmm. I'm saying there though is my my first and primary responsibility is that I want to work for the people of this district. Yeah. I want to fight for the people of this district. And so you know if that if that means that you know I heard Rand Paul say that. I heard Ron Paul say that. And that's my philosophy. Mm. I'm going there with that type of fighter mentality. And I'm not going there to go along to get along. I'm going there to fight. Just a question of projection. What committees do you actually want to sit on when you get elected? There's a couple of different ones that I think would be really good. You know, this district, the way that it's designed, it, it'll go from Katy, Cyprus to Magnolia, Montgomery. Um, it'll go to Willis and uh, Conroe, Lake Conroe. It'll go up to the southern part of Walker County, New Waverly. Then it'll come over to uh, San Jacinto County, which is uh, Cold Spring. Mm -hmm. And then it'll go up to Livingston, which is Polk County. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it's a very retail community. My district would really benefit from working with small businesses. You know, So the, the small business community uh, definitely needs an advocate there. So having someone on that committee would be very good. And I want to do everything that I can to help the small businesses because they've been really affected by these vaccine mandates and they haven't known how to handle it because Joe Biden is saying all, you know, all types of nonsense. We don't ever know what he's saying sometimes, but, you know, and we, and, and we need to have somebody that's going to be a fighter that will stand up for the businesses in this community because around 600,000 of them have shut down since COVID. It's terrible. And so we need leadership in that area. Um, I also feel like uh, foreign affairs would be really important and something I'm passionate about. We need somebody that's going to be tough on China, that's going to stand up for Taiwan, stand up for allies like Israel. Uh, Israel is something I'm super passionate about. Uh, I've been to Israel. I consider it like my third country. I love Israel. And, um, you know, I also feel like homeland security uh, would be really important uh, to this state specifically uh, because we need to have somebody that's going to fight for secure borders. And so knowing the ins and outs of everything that's happening down there, there are certain things I, I just went down there, you know, and I, I talked to Border Patrol. I've been down there twice uh, in the last year or two, uh, two years, I should say. And I've talked to them and they, they can show you pictures sometimes 
the, the, the border patrol, but they, they can't post those on social media. So you can't really see everything that's going on down there. But I want to have access to know everything that's going on down there so that I can be as knowledgeable as possible to helping stem the problem and put impediments up so that we can stop the flow of illegal immigration. Because what's happening is they're shipping illegal immigrants all over the country to red states, particularly in red communities. I mean, they don't want them in their communities. Right. They want them in our our states and our communities. Your problem now. Because they want to change the demographics of this country for a reason. They want to give them amnesty and a pathway to citizenship. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, um, they'll have a massive new vote, voting block. It's true. And so if we don't do everything that we can to fight for this, then we're going to lose our country. It's so true. And my last week podcast was actually on the legal immigration crisis. And we heard some really emotional stories of good patriotic people who are trying to come into America. And even then, they're having trouble because the illegal immigrants are being put on first priority as opposed to people who are trying to come here legally. So yeah. there are so many layers to the immigration process. But I do I do want to ask, so your main issues, border, election integrity, and pro-America patriotic school education, introducing that kind of policy. What is one piece of legislation that you maybe already have ready to go that you want to introduce and how will you fight for? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that we've got to do everything that we can uh, to fight against what Democrats are doing to federalize our elections. Mm. Because if we don't, if we don't stop that, I mean, we need to take back the house in 2022. Which research and trends of this week show that we have a good chance. We have a very good chance. And Kamala Harris said it herself. I mean, come on, you know, sometimes she isn't lying. Yeah. No, like that actually got me really excited. You know, her, her spill or whatever, because she probably didn't know what she was saying. And her, her consultants are probably like, well, she, she wasn't cackling that time either. So you could actually hear it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think, I think doing everything that we can from the federal standpoint to secure elections, obviously that takes, you know, both, chambers of Congress that also takes the White House. And so we'd have to win in 2024. But if we do everything that we can to stop this mail-in ballot nonsense, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, just you have ridiculous amounts drive of times, drive through ballots, you don't have an, you know, there's no signature verification in some places, you don't have to have voter ID. I mean, it's ridiculous what's going on. Yeah. And if you look at California, I mean, they want a California our Texas and every state. I mean, that's what they want to do. I mean, there's no accountability. None. I mean, and so there was a really good man who just ran there. But the thing is, he was up, he was in an uphill battle because that state, right. there's so much cheating going on yeah. to, to the extent, I mean, that it's, that it's happening. I mean, it's really unaccounted for. I mean, it mm-hmm. could be, it could be millions of votes that they're cheating. So we don't know. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, because now that we have so many crises going on, right, Afghanistan and the border and debt and inflation and critical race theory everywhere and so many things happening all at once, Americans have seemed to forget about the election integrity situation that we have, mostly because actually today would be one year and one day ago that they projected that Joe Biden was actually going to win the presidency the day we're recording this. And that was really the big issue throughout the Christmas season up to January. And all of a sudden people just poof, they forget about it. So that's great that you're going to go in and really hone in on that because it is obviously an important issue. And of course, we want to say every issue defines the country. But really, I think the at least the board 
border crisis and election integrity really shape up Texas for sure. And, you know, Texas needs to be the leading state um, and people from Texas need to be fighting for and, and representing Texas well, because we need to be the people who are in front and we need to be the people who are beating Florida and yeah. being pro-America and driving the, these conservative talking points home. Right on. So what practical policies, besides reinstating the Mexico, the remain in Mexico policy, are there any other ones that you want to really push on and bring to the House's attention? Yeah, and, and I feel like we've got to take back the House to actually accomplish some of these things that we can accomplish. Sure. And we've got to take back the White House because we need leadership in the White House that's that's intent on, on finishing the wall. Like I went down there, there's still equipment and supplies. I, I just went down there last month. There's still, like literally the equipment to build everything was right there and there's just like a big hole. And so I have this picture where I'm just like pointing at this, this, this vacant spot where like it could have been finished and apparently it was being worked on, but it wasn't finished. Jeez. Like, I don't even know why they have a gate. Like there's a really nice gate right down the, the you know, <laughs> you don't need the gate. You don't need the gate. They could just, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know, we were so close to, to maybe if, 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 if he had four more years, if President Trump had four more years, I think we could have built the wall where mm -hmm. it was necessary to build the wall and come out really good. But, yeah. but with the way that things have gone, it's, it's been absolutely terrible. And I think, uh, the, you know, the state legislature has done some good things to, to, you know, but it's really a drop in the bucket, but they're going to do what they can to, to pay for it from the state level to, to finish parts of the wall. But you know, look, I mean, we've, we've got to make sure that we have that federal money to 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 finish the border wall. Now to go for a bit of a fun, a fun area and a new frontier with the rise of blockchain technology yeah. and cryptocurrency. And obviously, Senator Ted Cruz has been a huge proponent in protecting um, crypto blockchain and keeping that out of the federal government's hands. Right. And Texas actually is really becoming a capital for crypto. I mean, people who they banned it in China. So people all moved to Texas because of the solar power, the winds, the sun and the business friendly environment, no income tax. Generally, crypto has been really taking an upward turn and it's only going to get bigger because it's not inflatable. And that's why crypto is important. And so Texas is really becoming a leader. Um, so do you agree with the goal of making Texas the blockchain and cryptocurrency capital of the world. I think it's great. I mean, look, you know, Texas is a great place to do business. There's a reason why Elon Musk moved here. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan <laughs> as well. And 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 um, you know, I I I think it's great. You know, however we can bring industry and business to Texas, and 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 make this place the economic powerhouse of the world. We have the tenth largest economy, uh, in you know, in in the entire world bigger than Russia and Canada combined. So um, having a very strong Texas is good for America because mm -hmm. America needs Texas. I sent out a thing to a few of my friends, a few of my followers and said, what questions do you want me to ask Christian Collins? And yeah. I got one that was particularly interesting. So I'm going to go read it. They said they are concerned that you'll be a talker and rattle off the same speaking points that Kevin Brady does and what Michael Knowles calls a court jester conservative. Mm -hmm. You look like you're putting up an opposition, right, by speaking out against everything and being a strong advocate, but you actually won't accomplish anything. And I'm quoting here. And you'll just take the 175K check and call it a day. How do you respond to this? I'm going to work with the Freedom Caucus, the House Freedom Caucus, to do everything that we possibly can to fight for this country. And I've made that pretty clear mm -hmm. earlier on in the interview that we're going to fight. 
And so as it relates to the different issues that we talked about, election integrity, uh, the border, uh, patriotic pro-America education, some of these, 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 these platform issues of mine, we're going to do everything that we can to fight for the issues that matter and for the people of this district and our country. So, um, you know, I mean, whether it be going on the House floor and speaking out on, on certain things that others are not willing to do. I mean, I think Kevin Brady was someone who really worked behind closed doors to get some things done. Mm-hmm. But I'll be out front vocal. You know, I will be out front vocal doing everything that I can to speak out publicly on issues that matter. Uh, January 6th, that issue in particular, January 1st, I did something very different. I was with Amy Kramer and, and Women for America First here in Montgomery County, and I spoke up and I said, we need to keep our representatives accountable for how they vote on January 6th. Mm-hmm. I, I said, they need, they need to vote no. Mm. And that's not what everyone did, of course. But I was, I was on the right side of that issue, I feel like, in my heart, I was on the right side of that issue. And I stood up for what I thought was right, regardless of whatever, whatever it would cost me. And so I, I've had a track record of speaking out for what is right. And I've taken different positions than even people that I've worked with in the past. And so uh, I was Kevin Brady's campaign manager in 17 and 18. Right. Um, and I went on to start Texas Youth Summit. I did different things. Uh, but, um, you know, there, there, th- that doesn't mean we agree on every issue. Uh, in fact, we probably do not. But, but I will say that I will be vocal and I'll speak out in places where where others may not feel comfortable. Christian, one last question. How old are you? 33. Very young to yeah. be running for Congress. Yeah. That is tremendously exciting. Christian, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your voice in our community and uh, in, our, in our country. And I'm excited to see how God's using you and how many doors are opening with Prager University, with Turning Point, mm-hmm. being an ambassador there. And with Texas Youth Summit and all the things that you do, I'm, I'm excited about your tour throughout the state and the country. So, yeah, I, I go to ChristianCollins.org, ChristianCollins.org. Uh, watch my launch videos, share my content on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, it's Christian Collins Texas. On Twitter, uh, it's Collins for Texas. So um, get involved with what we're doing. Donate, support, sign up to volunteer. Be at my kickoff at uh, Honor Cafe, November 16th from 6 to 8. We're going to have Senator Cruz's father. Ted, of course, endorsed me. And Senator Cruz's father, Rafael Cruz, I've spent hundreds of hours with him. Just a great man. I consider him like a second dad to me. He's going to be there to speak alongside me. So super excited about that. (laughs) 